connect to your own purpose, your own vocation, your own empowerment, your own connection with spirit. Live in the best way you can in kindness, compassion, and happiness and contentment and just set your intention constantly. So whenever we get centered on who we are, what our own passions and interests are, what our curiosities are, and we merge that with practicing it, taking the time to refine it, and then figuring out a way to share that with others and saying, universe, please show me a way that I can continue to move and evolve and experience the things that I'm passionate about, but also share that with others in a way that I can provide for my family, make a positive impact. It's always of service to everything else. That's Matt Belair, and this is episode 372 of Wellness Force Radio. Wellness Force Radio, where we discover the physical and emotional intelligence to live life well. You can have the same brain states as someone who's done an hour of meditation every day for 40 years. There's a lot of losses that we go through, so the ability to be able to cope with those losses is very important to build skill in it, because loss will happen. You know, you have to have spiritual courage to really grow spiritually, because If you really want to take guidance from your soul, you have to be ready to realize that many of the things that you're asking for guidance on, your ego has some kind of an addiction to or an investment in. This show wouldn't be able to live and be brought to you for free without our partner, Cured Nutrition, a 100% organically farmed cannabidiol. Say that like three times fast, cannabidiol. (laughs) It's more than just CBD though. CBD can be quite confusing. So I simplified it. I did the research over six months. I found Cured Nutrition. This is all the parts of the plant, the hemp plant that give you rich terpenes and healing compounds that allow you to sleep well and move well. And now multiple scientific research studies have shown promise around using cannabidiol for pain management as well. This is a full spectrum, 100% organically farmed hemp oil. It's grown in the rich sunshine rays of Colorado. I don't know if you've been to Colorado. It is easily the perfect place in the entire United States to harvest powerful nutrients and plant medicine. Essentially, that's what this medicine is. It's plant medicine for your body and soul. I personally take the full dropper of the 2000 milligram. I place it under my tongue for 60 seconds. I feel this in my digestion. It gives my stomach this warm, calming feeling. Give Cured a test drive. If you've been dealing with pain or anxiety or you can't sleep well at night, go to wellnessforce.com forward slash cured. Get 15% off your organically farmed full spectrum hemp. Wellnessforce.com forward slash cured and use the code wellnessforce to get a nice savings. 15% is really good, y'all. Check them out. Give them a test drive. Hey, warm greetings. It's your host, Josh, your guide. And today, before you do anything, take a deep breath of me right now. Breathe in through your nose for three seconds, hold it at the top for three, and then breathe out at the bottom with an audible sound. Do this with me. This might be the first time today you've taken a breath break all day. Breathe in through your nose for three. Doesn't that feel amazing? Imagine if you did that throughout the day and you trained your brain to use that deep breath as an antidote for stress. It's one thing to know that your breath will change your state. It's another thing to train your mind so you can do it anytime. Now, once you set the mental anchor, that's really what this is. The mental anchor is what comes through with patience and meditation and practice. This is what we talk about and what we teach in our Breathe Breath and Wellness program. Now, I created this 21-day program to address what you and I both deal with in this life because you're a human, right? We all deal with stress, but modern day society has chronic stress. Maybe you've been having trouble sleeping or concentrating at work or 
Maybe you've just been having a challenging time during the forced lockdowns and COVID. I want to give you a beautiful reminder that over at breathwork.io, when you use the code podcast25, that's breathwork.io, when you use the code podcast25, you get 25% off because you're here with us in the community. Now this takes you through acute stress management moments so you can transcend them through your own breathing. Now we've created this over three years and it also includes step-by-step videos, a 21-day guided process so you can start using your breath in those acute stress moments as an antidote for stress, especially with the holidays coming up and we all experience like uncles and aunts and relatives that we maybe see once a year and they kind of have a unique smell or they put their feet up on the table or they talk about stuff you don't like. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? I'm thinking of Clark Griswold in the movie um, National Lampoon's Christmas, you know, with the uncle that comes by and he empties his septic tank into the curbside. You'll, you'll know what I mean if you're like a Chevy Chase fan. <laughs> but I digress because that's the kind of stress that we're all dealing with, whether it's internal or external stress. Your breath is the antidote. You can get 25% off this breath and wellness, really transformation program led live by myself to you uh, at your home, on your phone, wherever you are. Breathwork.io and podcast25 is the code for 25% off. Now, today on the show, we're learning from Matt Belair, a human performance specialist and optimization specialist who spent time in Nepal. He spent a lot of time in Nepal studying meditation with Buddhist monks. And he also survived a near-death experience while trekking Everest. This story is going to trip you out in a fun way. It's a very fascinating story towards the middle and end of the podcast today. I wanted to bring Matt on for so many different reasons. You know, I've been seeing his incredible work online for quite some time. But this art of Zen, you know, this middle way, this pursuit of inner peace and positive living, Matt's found a way over the past 10 years to blend this with neuro-linguistic programming, sports psychology, life coaching, meditation, and conscious living. Put that in a sentence and say it fast. This man's a treasure trove. Like he's an absolute gift to the world. His knowledge today is really going to hit the heart of what we're all experiencing. And that is consciousness expanding. Consciousness is expanding. And just like when a tree grows through a sidewalk, sometimes it cracks. And that's okay because human potential is what guides us there. But really the relationship that we have to our ego is paramount. How do we become friends with our ego? You're like, what? I thought the ego was a bad thing. No, the ego is not a bad thing. And by the end of this podcast, you're going to take home the truth and reality of fear-mongering and ego control when it comes to mainstream media and COVID-19. You'll learn why Matt has been censored, literally shut down on multiple platforms. They shut down, I think, his Facebook and his Instagram. This is fascinating to me because he's really just speaking the truth. And you're going to learn from that today. You're going to learn from the inner knowing that Matt is going to guide us to, to cultivate greater awareness. We'll understand what humans are capable of by this awareness combined with human potential. And this phrase, by the way, human potential, it's thrown around a lot. We'll really understand what that is on this podcast, how our emotions and feelings get caught from other people. You know, in our society, it's fascinating. If we hang out with the wrong people, we start thinking the wrong thoughts or doing the wrong things. Well, we've heard about it from Gretchen Rubin. We understand that in behavioral psychology, we can catch thoughts and catch feelings from people. But Matt's going to go into this with us so we can understand how to live by our own, what he calls soul compass. So we don't get pulled off the path. Matt has a program for this called Soul Compass. We'll talk about that. And we'll also explore how to create a powerful mindset 
and breath work and tools and biohacking. I mean, there's a lot here. This is a really big podcast, all things under the sun when it comes to navigating this fear-based society that we find ourselves in. You can do this. You can beat it too. And actually the craziest part is you beat it, quote, quote, air quotes, bunny ears, by not fighting it. You'll understand more about what that means when you listen to this podcast, but do me a favor. Do me a favor. Do you a favor. Do a friend a favor. Share this podcast. Share this podcast with somebody who has a huge ego (laughs) or wants to increase their potential their human potential and grow their consciousness. I mean, we all have an ego, right? But maybe if somebody's got a big ego, you can like just sneak this podcast under the rug to them, just shoot it over their text and be like, hey, I thought thought you might enjoy this. I say this every week, but it's still true. I get messages from people whose lives are changed just by the generosity of someone like you sharing an episode with them. So share this podcast with somebody you care about. And now let's drop in with Matt Belair. Welcome back to Reality. This is Josh Trent. We're here on Facebook Live. It's been a minute. I'm here with a very special guest. His name is Matt Belair. He is a human potential specialist. You know, in all his work, I'm sure he has lots of... Matt, I'm sure you have lots of of special intros, but I'm just going to introduce you as someone who is a brother. uh, You're a friend of mine. um, You're a specialist in consciousness. You're a specialist in what it is to make sense of this potential of human life. So thank you for being a part of the narrative of truth lately with COVID. And you're actually just sharing with me before we got on that you were just removed from Facebook. Like what, what the hell's going on here? Like, why are they removing you from Facebook, man? Yeah, man. Well, well, thanks for having me on the show and thanks for the work you do. It's awesome because, uh, you know, I was aware of your work, but I became very aware of it when the whole COVID thing happened because, I think you're like me where you want to figure out what the truth is, what's going on. You just kind of want to know what's happening. And so when you dive in, you start to realize that there are a lot of things going on behind the scenes and you were one of the few people who are actually speaking out. And I was curious why nobody was saying anything. And I was like, either you can't figure it out, you haven't looked into it, or you know what's going on, but you're choosing not to say anything, which for me, um, you know, something that I learned, I need to just learn how to accept. I just don't understand why people would be quiet in times like this. And I go, I go between that quote. I think it's Edwin. Uh, there's a few quotes like this and it says like evil persists when good men do nothing. Mm. Uh, I, I go between that quote and that ideology and kind of the Zen side of just surrendering to what is, but I, I kind of go with the Edmund Burke side because it's, we, we want to, um, I think we need to, I think we need to do something, right? If we want to affect change, we need to actually do something. We need to actually say something. So I appreciate you and your work and actually, uh, saying something and I kind of, uh, you know, getting a little bit of crap for it. I kicked off Facebook. Um, and uh, maybe it's because I interviewed David Martin from Plandemic two, and I've been talking about it from the beginning, but it's weird mm. because a lot of other people are out there and it's sad because I had, uh, they deleted my personal, uh, my business, you know, that's five years of work. And it was five years of dedicated to uh, interviewing the leaders in similar to you, consciousness, spirituality, self-help, personal development. You know, there's a track record of what I was trying to put out to the world. And then COVID happens. and, And this is just something that kind of directed the focus of the whole planet. And so even my intention when it first happened was to discover the truth, share the truth. So if it's the most deadly thing that's ever happened, let people know how they can protect themselves. Um, but it turned out to be something else and try to share that. So people, um, were less afraid because when you're afraid, um, you limit pattern recognition, you make stupid choices, um, and all kinds of negative things happen. And I learned that from sports psychology and, um, helping extreme sports athletes be the best they can be because we deal with fear all the time, but, um, it limits your freedom. 
that, you know, the bottom line is it limits your freedom and potential. And so it's trying to share information to make people less afraid. So yeah, yeah. man, it's crazy. We, we've been on this private thread too, with, um, Sayer G and Dr. Kelly Brogan and so many other amazing people, um, that are really interested in, Hey, even if it's scary, even if it's challenging, even if it might be a shock to the system, to the ego, something's going on here and it ain't normal. And the truth will reign. The truth will prevail. But man, it has been the ultimate gut check moment for me. I know it has been for you and so many people. Like, how have you personally been navigating this? Obviously, in this podcast, man, I'm stoked to talk with you about human potential and consciousness. But just like, you know, let's ring the bell here for in the moment, like how you're actually feeling right now with everything that we're going through, not just in health and wellness and personal development, but you as a father, you as a husband, you as a business owner, like... What's been, what's it been like for you? What's it been like for you these past six months? It's a great question because um, it's very real, and for me, it's been incredibly challenging. When it first happened, and I and I realized this is happening, I spent basically three months all day, every day, researching. So I was just staring at my computer for 10, 12 hours a day, going through information, documents, uh, podcasts like yours, anyone putting out good information, and so I could get a handle on this. So I knew I would know what I was talking about, and so that sucked. It's not a pleasant thing to do to um, stare at your computer for that long. So that's uncomfortable, but part of the work. And then I got to a place of this is terrible because you can see the plan. The plan is laid out. They call it, some people call it a pandemic because of event 201, because you go back to germ theory versus terrain theory. Then you go to the Flexner report of 1910, the hijacking of modern medicine. And um, so you can see all that. And then you can see the future with strategic intelligence websites, with uh, the Rockefeller uh, future scenarios documents, which is we're basically in lockstep. But um, with uh, the World Economic Forum and strategic intelligence, that map laid out 200 layers deep. I'm sure you've seen that. Yes. And you're like, oh, my God. And then ID 2020 and, and all the all the players in this. And then that is terrifying. And so I was like, oh, my God, I'm worried about the world my daughter might grow up in if if we don't um, change here. And then interviewing people like David Martin from Plandemic uh, 2 and some of the other people out there like Robert Kennedy Jr. and Del Bigtree and these leaders and Sayer G and Kelly and all these amazing people um, speaking up. And, and you see this very strong light and truth. And it's just like the Robert Kennedy debate with Alan Dershowitz on vaccines. When you put the two sides together and one is on truth and um, reality and not fear mongering, the other side, they don't have a foot to stand on. He absolutely destroyed him. It was like Mike Tyson uh, beating up a, you know, a small child. There was no, you know, Alan didn't have anything because it was, you know, a little bit of manipulation and, and there's really nothing there. And uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. just picked him apart, told the truth and presented the evidence as it was. And so that's inspiring that the truth can kind of cut through all that fear and ignorance. And I remember at one point during this, I was really concerned, um, is going through a hard time. And, uh, I just was like, spirit, I need some help here. And I went out and, um, I did a, a sitting there and I was like, Oh, I'm supposed to meditate right now. I got one of those feelings. I sat down and I did a meditation and I haven't been meditating frequently normally. So that's probably due to some of the increased stress, but yeah. it was one of those amazing meditations you've probably had before. And, and the insight that I got, it kind of goes into the indescribable world. So it was awesome that I, that I got to go super deep, but the message was like, this only thrives through, uh, ignorance and fear, like through this blanket. Right. And so it light and truth and, um, just 
universal force is it's like what Walter Russell will call life affirming. It's a life affirming force. And that's the truth. And it cuts through all of that. The only way that this goes through is through fear and basically um, manipulating the truth through all of these different deceptions. But the truth will cut through that so quickly and that universal force is stronger. So it gave me this little like, don't worry, like this life affirming force that grows the trees, spirit, God, nature, the universe is still present. It's still here. And it is much more powerful than all this dark stuff that you're looking at. So that I would say is, is how I've been feeling in a nutshell. So I've got, I've been going up and down. I'll say, man, thanks for sharing. Cause I, I know that, that Zen has been a practice for you, like this pursuit of inner peace and, and martial arts and snowboarding. Like you've run quite the gamut in like what it means to be a human here on the planet. And I love that you're just so honest with us. Like, Hey, we're on the journey too. like on this podcast, we're always exploring like the path between knowing and doing you are trained in Zen and martial arts. You know how amazing it is to meditate yet you're here with us and you're being honest, like, yeah, I haven't been meditating as much as I, I normally have been. Like, what do you think that's all about? Cause that's the same thing for me. Like I know that I should be quote, should be doing certain things. Sometimes I do them. And sometimes I'm aware that I don't. And what I'm most mindful of is that I don't go into a shame spiral or any mm. kind of self judgment or self hatred about when I miss them. I just literally go to the next loop, go right back on the horse. Why do you think that is right now for you? And, and how does that extrapolate to all of us with our health habits right now? It's a really great question. I think that if you go into the fields of uh, wellness and peak performance and let's say morning routines, there's a million things you could do. And I've kind of listed them all down and I like to experiment with everything. So I'll test it. I don't care what the thing is out there, if it's supposed to increase your consciousness or, you know, help you be enlightened or whatever. You know, I've traveled to 30 countries and trained with some interesting people to try to figure it out to know if it works. And so there's a lot of things you can do and it's, but you just can't do everything. So having a solid practice is really important. So although I might've not been meditating, but I would be, um, taking care of my body through skateboarding, because if you have your focus, then it's something, and I was doing a lot more, uh, running. And so I was creating, um, you know, not a, like a sitting meditation, but a running meditation, which was interesting. So, but, but at, when you increase in your stress, so for me personally, what helps is actually just a sitting meditation, not, not running, not skateboarding, nothing else, not a sitting meditation. So knowing that I could come back to it. And so for people out there, there's a lot of different things, but you got to practice things consistently to know what they do. And so meditation, for example, when I really wanted to dive in, I spent, um, three, one, three months in koala habitat, um, reading, writing, meditating, you know, sometimes it's four and six hours a day. You said koala, was, koala habitat? Yeah. At a, at a koala habitat in, uh, near Byron Bay, at, you know, in Australia. Were so. you like hanging yeah, in the like trees with these animals? They were in the trees. Yeah, man. I, I yeah. would, I would love to be, but yeah, there's koalas in the trees and it was super cool. cool. Um, and this kind of hippie camper. So, you know, I did, I did a really hard sit there for a duration of time. And then I also meditated for about an hour a day for about a year, um, straight. So I know what the practice means done consistently, just like if you were to do yoga every day for a year, or if you want to be peak performance in anything, art, music, business, sports, it doesn't matter. You need that dedication. And so, uh, my suggestion to people is, is just keep that practice simple because a lot of times we believe we we have enough time to do it, but we don't. So it's prioritizing, um, you know, what's most important to us. Yeah. There's a lot of different ways that I could take this conversation with you, man. But the one thing that's like super top of mind for me and top of heart is where we still are with people's minds and really their fear response, their amygdala around COVID-19. And it's, it's no surprise that like you're, you're getting banned 
and we're doing this show. We actually just did a six part series with some of the people that, that you had mentioned. And I actually did SEO research because I'm like, I don't want this thing to get removed. The truth right now is so subjective. And there's this war between information on one side and information on the other. And I got to tell you, like, I've never been so fucking triggered, but I've also never been so excited for the squeeze that we're experiencing. What is your like state of the union at this stage of where we are with COVID? It's been pretty exciting to see like certain states open up recently, um, you know, Tennessee and Florida. I think Florida was the first one. But but where 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 does this lie with your heart and mind right now with everything that you've been through? You've been a huge voice in this world when it comes to COVID-19? Wow. Well, what I would say to anybody out there who is just observing the world, it's a challenging time for everybody um, to have compassion for your fellow man is the first thing that I would suggest. Um, you know, training with Native American elders, um, David Lombear Senapas, he would just say, you know, the, the best thing that you can do is three kind acts a day, go out of your way to do it and don't tell anyone. And so it's a really great question. So I think first compassion for others, you know, as we're sifting through this information. And, and one thing that I'd suggest for people is applying something called the formula for truth. And I love this. I learned this a long time ago from a guy named Corey Herter. And it basically says you, uh, truth evolves. There's, you know, information evolves. And so mm -hmm. let's say if, if you've got an X and Y axis, on the X axis, you have flat earth. And on the Y axis, you have round earth, right? On, on X axis, you could have COVID-19 is the deadliest disease of all time ever. And then on the Y axis, it's a conspiracy, right? When you're communicating with people, just be open to their side. So truth is somewhere about 45 degrees of information. So let's say you're a round earther and they're a flat earther. They've got their 45 degrees of information and they only have their one perception. And you only have your one perception. And so when you just open up to their side, you're opening up to 45 degrees of information for that one person. But every other person you meet too, it's a, and that's the reason why you do a podcast. You really you receive a lot of information. So rather than trying to prove your point or shut it down, you listen. And that's why for me, listening to the COVID stuff, you know, I've listened to people saying this is the most deadly thing ever. And I and I say, why? Explain it to me, draw it out. But then we come to the same conclusions. We see the death rate. We see who's vulnerable. We, we, we get down to the science and what we know for empirically with the data. It's actually not that frightening. Um, and so, you know, the truth ends up coming out. And so if we can apply the formula for truth, we're going to learn a lot more. So that's another thing that I'd suggest. But at the same time, what's happening is people are just going into this divide and conquer attack each other right? They're not offering opinion. They're Because they're afraid, they're offering logical fallacy. They're, they're offering hate speech and all this other stuff. And so if you're not doing that, it just takes a lot of resilience and patience to receive that and not to give it back. And so what I would suggest to people is if you're going to look into this, uh, look into it, you know, look at both sides, right and left, um, do a lot of research, Follow people who have been correct the whole time because people like Dell Bigtree and David Martin, um, the people who have followed this from the beginning, they haven't changed their story. They've been mm -hmm. correct the whole time. And so when we live in fear and the masses, there's also too, if you study psychology, one of my original uh, 
inquiries was why do we have war and starvation? And so that led me into psychological operations and all and how people are manipulated and things like that. And you look at the work of Edward Bernays, who was Sigmund Freud's nephew, and he basically did propaganda for World War One and World War Two. Um, and he really mastered it. This group really mastered propaganda and are incredible at it. And they talk about the group mind as well. So you have the individual mind, but you also have the group mind. And Darren Brown does great um, experiments on this as well as what happens with group mind, what happens with group think. And these people know that. And the biggest trigger for all of this is fear. You know, fear releases the chemicals in your brain that la uh, limits pattern recognition. So you're kind of tunnel vision and you're not making the same choices. And so can, can you go you a little bit deeper into that, Matt? Because that's huge, man, with your with your uh, you've studied NLP quite a bit, right? How the brain functions. Yeah. So I yeah. know from your train, I don't want to interrupt you too much here, but there's a Sorry. really big point to this. When people are stuck in amygdala and an ancient brain in fear brain, what's going on with the PFC and the posterior cingulate cortex? Like we're literally a slave to our biology in these moments. And that's when we're harvested for what's true and what's not by the media. Yeah, I love that, man. Well, you can explain it scientifically. It's fun because for me, the way that my mind learns things. I'll read a whole NLP. I've done multiple NLP courses. I'll just know what I'm supposed to do. That's what I remember. You know what I mean? I'm like, I can't remember which chemical, like if you listen to Stephen Kotler, I've done a bunch of his courses. He'll tell you the chemicals and exactly how they work. But what I remember is, uh, you know, this is what I need to avoid. And so like, for example, um, I trained with and trained uh, a lot of extreme sports athletes. The difference between an extreme sports athlete and um, and martial arts as well is that if we frig it up, we have a severe consequence that could happen immediately. So we need to handle fear right there or we're going to be toast. So if you want to do like a double backflip or you want to do a trick that's never been done, like uh, one of my athletes, uh, Brody Carmichael, he – reached out because he fell on a front flip on a friggin' motorcycle. And he said, Hey man, I, he I heard you're good. I want to land a front flip. I said, great. Uh, let's have a chat. So we were chatting and he was telling me about, you know, his mental game and what he wanted to do. And it was pretty good. And so I said, look, man, you don't have to, uh, read my book, but you can. And, uh, I got an online course you could do, but you don't really have to, what you need to do is you need to visualize this trick an hour a day, every day until you know you can land it. And so that same power, you can, you can harness it, right? And you can build up the knowledge, the skill set, and the inner knowing to go do something courageous. And so two weeks later, he landed the front flip. Two weeks after that, he lands the world's first front flip heel clicker. Two weeks after that, he lands the world's first front flip Superman on a freaking motorcycle um, just using a simple, accessible visualization process. Mm. And so when we're in fear – Let's say we're a uh, you know a Shaolin monk or we're a samurai warrior. We would go into war, and there's bow and arrows and there's axes and there's all kinds of mayhem, like real danger, right <laughs> out there. That would be terrifying. The second you go into fear, um, all the chemicals in your brain you, you fight, fight, flight, or freeze, right? That's essentially what's going to happen, and you're toast. But if you can remain calm, you're able to allow all of the information of the external world to come in to allow the body and the training and the inner knowing all to work out um, exactly as you need it to. But the second that that fear takes over, you're blinded and you can't make the same choice that you could make and you def that you should make or could make. And you definitely don't go into flow state. You're definitely not going into your, your peak performance state. So yeah. when we, 
and, and in hypnosis too, I'll just kind of finish with this. The reason why they always pump you full of like all the headlines and things like that. If I say, um, don't think about the American flag, your mind will do it. Or if you, so if you take it one step further and I say, um, just imagine a little cat right now and I'm holding a cat and, uh, he's a nice little cat. And then all of a sudden I stab the cat and now the cat's dying and then I rip off the cat's head. Um, my apologies for doing that. And I just, and usually if I'm coaching somebody, I'll draw that out more and I don't like doing it because it's, it's easier to know the negative stuff. But by listening to that, you feel an emotion. I didn't tell you to feel an emotion. Most people who have empathy. You're like, Oh my God, poor cat. Yeah. And so we didn't choose the emotion to arise. So when we're looking out in our world, then we're taking in all these mental nutrients from the news and fear the virus and blah, blah, blah. Our bodies are creating an automatic and unconscious response that limits our uh, immune system, first of all, decreases it, and it makes us afraid. And so we are not in expansion, love, thriving, or community, which is another big thing. You know, when we're in that state, we're very suspect of our fellow man. We're not trusting. We're not um, not in faith. We're, we're in a whole other state of being, and it's a dangerous state of being. And so it's very important that we're uh, – when we add the perspective, like uh, I remember one of the first news things I saw was uh, 2 million people could die or 10 million people could die, right? Something like that. Um, well, that's terrifying. It's 10 million people would die, but there's no there's no context. Yeah. Oh, well, if it's actually 3.4, this model that turned out to be way off and if everybody in the world got it. So then when you add these context pieces in there, you can remove the fear a little bit, but the way that it gets hit the average person, they're not going to be able to do that. They're just going to take on the fear and it's going to affect their whole day. It's going to affect their communications. It's going to affect how they treat their family. It's going to affect how they make choices in the coming days and weeks. And so if there's terrible stuff coming down the line, they're going to sign up for whatever those terrible choices are so that they are safe from whatever this threat may be. Wow, man. There's so much to unpack there. Like the first thing that I'm feeling is we are all doing the absolute best that we can with the level of consciousness that we have. And so I'm not here to shame. I'm not here to belittle people. I'm not here to say like it's pro mask versus mask wearing. It's Democrat, Republican. I think it's all honestly bullshit division tactics. What I am saying is there is a ever present truth. There is like a self-evident truth that I think if you took away all the people's fear responses, it's sitting right there in their soul. It's sitting right there in their heart. And the ever present truth is that we have all forgotten how incredibly powerful we are, how full of love we are how we came to this planet to do amazing things. Like this is the part about COVID and the squeeze that I'm stoked about. Like, and I, and I loved how you described what you had learned from your training and the pro athletes. Cause like we look up to athletes. Like I think about Danny way jumping the great wall and I'm like, Oh my God, like, you know, the amount of fortitude that this guy, the amount of courage that he had to have to do that. What else did you pull from these athletes that potentially we can learn about how we can apply that now just as everyday people? Yeah, well, Danny Way is a great example because there's an even crazier story with him. In one of the X Games, when they first did the big air, he, um, you do a big launch and then you go up a quarter pipe and just absolutely launch yourself. Well, on one of the X Games, he launches himself up, and I invite people to look this up on YouTube because he goes like 30, 40 feet in the air and he hits his knees on the coping and absolutely destroys himself. Oh. Like, you don't think he's going to be skating for months or weeks. He gets right back up and he does it. He he does the trick he was going for and he wins gold. And so for me, it's like this, this, yeah, like you said, is a good uh, example or, or wording for it. It's the fortitude and the inner will. 
And my question was, when I was younger, what are humans capable of? What am I capable of? And so that's what I've kind of spent my life studying. And I've had so many people on my podcast that have cured themselves of cancer. Like lots of firsthand, I've traveled to 30 countries, talked to lots of people, lots of people have done that. And most people say that's impossible. Um, so, you know, when you slide down the scale and then you look at like Wim Hof, like all the stuff that he's done, none of that's supposed to be possible. When I trained with the Shaolin monks, you're not supposed to be able to break stone with two fingers, um, but they can do that. And they had extraordinary training. And so when you come back to human potential, right, rather than um, the weakest link, and I feel like that's what's happening here is we're looking at the world through the lens of the weakest link so we can all go down to this level and because like you know take snowboarding away because because for some people going off a 70 foot jump they're scared of it and they could hurt themselves yeah but i have that capability through training and through practice so i'd like to have that experience please um just like driving a car driving a car is dangerous being alive is a dangerous thing we knew that back in the day when we would come out of the cave and a lion would eat one of our homies but then we would adapt and we would say, hey, watch out for that big yellow thing because that could eat you. But we have to continue to progress. And if we never left the cave after that, we wouldn't be expanding and evolving. And so we are so infinitely powerful. And it's not like something that's um, given to a few and not others. Like, you know, they say like God is within, our spirit is within, our potential is within. And if you look at any spiritual book, you know, that's worth reading, it'll say that. And the amount of incredible stories of healing, of miracles, of human potential, of um, goodness and kindness that exist in the world versus what's going on now, it's uh, it's sad because we have that capability. And for something like this, it's like we're forgetting what we're capable of. We're not talking about building a utopia. We're not talking about recreating what Atlantis would have been. Um, when I study with the Native Americans, they, they say – the next big upgrade for humanity is peace. We're not talking about world peace, mm. you know? Imagine imagine you switch COVID-19 to world peace. Every single day, as much as they bang you with the numbers of COVID-19, they were saying world peace. We are so committed to world peace. We will not stop until we resolve all the issues of power and control and domination. We are just going to keep banging the hammer, banging the bell for world peace like they did in Nepal. I went to um, on a hike. I can't remember where I was, but it was really beautiful. It had this lake, and I uh, did a hike up, and there's a, a monk up there, and he was repeating something. He was like, yeah, this guy's here like basically 24 hours a day or someone else will come in. And I said, well, what is he saying? And he's just saying basically world peace. You know, we, We're here mm. just literally meditating and focusing only on world peace. And so that's what we have with this COVID container. It's just COVID. So what if we switch that, right? And, you know, hypnosis is so powerful. Psychological operations are so powerful. And I invite people to watch the documentary, The Century of Self by Edward Bernays. It will give you such a great overview of what's going on now. Uh, Thrive 1 and 2 are both fantastic for big overviews. And, you know, do your own research. You don't have to believe all, all of it, but it'll give you a little bit of context. And so if we were to use it in a positive way, because right now it's being used in a negative way, just like I said, don't imagine an American flag. Don't imagine, um, I don't know, Donald Trump riding a unicorn, right? You're going to do that to make sense of the words. So if we use that in a positive manner, we could shift the planet 
in a in a very quick manner. Man, when you said it, you said use it in a positive way. I have an idea of what you think it might be. I think what you're talking about is the human consciousness that we're all connected to, like a universal field. But when you said it, if we use it in a positive way, what did you mean by that? It. You so specifically uh psychological hypnotic patterns. So rather than saying, so like the cat story, right? So just imagine, like imagine every day, there's just like another kitty was decapitated. How does that make you feel? It doesn't make you feel good, right? No. So when you no. see COVID on TV, you're like another thousand cases. They don't tell you that the mortality rate is, um, you know, very, very low, but it also doesn't make you feel good. So what if we're used to these psychological operations that they use to impose fear for world peace, for um, altruism? In Buddhism, they'll talk about mental nutriments. I could wake up and then I could have like my magazines and my news feeds all set up for murder and weird, you know, terrible stuff and trafficking, which, um, you know, I unfortunately will look into because I was a part of trying to figure out what the solution was working with the international tribunal of natural justice, becoming aware of human trafficking, thinking, Oh my God, I can't believe how horrible this is. I can't believe the numbers of people in human trafficking, how the, how the hell is this happening? Um, and also working on, um, Organ harvest, bringing awareness to organ harvesting that's happening in China, specifically targeting Falun Dafa, which is essentially peaceful meditation, similar to Buddhism, but different. But their peaceful meditative practice, they've been targeted for about 20 years. And so that's part of my mental nutriments because I want to figure out a solution. But if I just stayed there all day, every day, it's depressing. And I have done that. And it's very depressing. It so can suck you been, in too, man. I've been there. Like yep. March, April, June, yep. maybe a little bit of July. <laughs> I was like, I was there. I mean, I was just like, you guys are stupid. You're wearing a mask. I mean, I had to go through my own evolution, my own vibrational ladder of like, okay, let me, let me take a breath here because it is so intoxicating. The anger, the resentment, because really below anger and resentment is just sadness. Well, I think we're all really sad. I mean, we stripped us all down to the base, dude. Don't you think we're all just really sad that this is the state of the union? We're all coming to grips with the mirror of 2020. Absolutely. A hundred percent. I'm sad. You know, I'm sad. This is Fuck sad. It. I'm, sad. <laughs> I'm sad. You know, I've had a few cries here and there. It's just like, I can't believe this. And, and I, I, you know, when I originally looked into this, like I said, I was looking at starvation that never, that doesn't make sense to me. We're talking about COVID and, and the lives that it's taken, but what about the 9.1 million people who die of starvation every year? That's this has right. been happening for a long time, yes. and that is not a complicated solution. And my original thinking when I figured out that number and how high it was in my teenage years, I was like, wait, what? I was like, hold on. And I was like, there's so many millionaires in Canada and around the world. I was like, why don't they just like chip in a little bit and buy them rice? Because I can't imagine rice is very expensive. And so then you learn about systems, psychological operations, all these different things. And so we're observing a lot of pain. And I had Edward Miller on my podcast recently. And, uh, you know, he said, um, be aware of it, but don't wear it. And I thought that was really great because he was actually doing something. He had 15 charter schools in lower income Florida. So he was doing something, but he would wear the emotions of the kids and, and the lack that they had. And so that's a challenging thing. And I, and I don't even have a good solution for it. I know Ho'oponopono is a good practice, you know, where you say, uh, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. That that's kind of helpful. Yes. Um, going into the emotion or, or just general prayer. I've been I pray a lot in general, but I, I, I pray even more now and say, please show me the solution. Like, you know, please guide me, please show me the solution. And so, 
Yeah. So if we could use this psychological thing that's being used for harm and turn it into good, like hypnotize the world for world peace, hypnotize the world for kindness. And to give one really clear example of how I notice this and I notice it everywhere. Um, you don't have just one channel, like, uh, what is it? Uh, the, the crime show C what is it? C C I S or something. I don't know. I don't what watch it, TV. Yeah. 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 The, the crime show. I don't know. They're, yeah. they're all like CIS or, or whatever it is, but yeah. they got a crime show. It's not just a, a crime show. It's a crime show, like theme, like the whole, the whole time slot is mm. multiple shows. It's yeah. just murder genre all the time. And those are what people are receiving. And so they're unconsciously feeling fear all the time. They're not realizing how it affect them. So if we switch that and, and we used everything we knew about psychological operations, mental nutriments, um, psychology, the brain and neurology to hypnotize people into being more compassionate, uh, more kind and, and pump in world peace, that would be extraordinary. And it's absolutely possible and then on the flip side of that, I, I'm concerned with the people on this planet that uh, they don't want that. You know, they don't want that for others. So we need to do it ourselves. We need to not rely on uh, something else outside of ourselves. Man, this is a call to arms, but it's not a call for war. Like we have enough division. We have enough anger. We have enough hatred. We have all these things. But below that is something that I've been reading a book lately, and I think you'll love it. Maybe you've already read it. Um, it's called Thoughts or Things, Prentice Mulford early 1900s. This is some of the work that Napoleon Hill learned when he was actually teaching like the Bob Proctors of the world. So we're going like three layers deep back there. And in this book, he talks about thought current, thought current, um, emotional, emotional contagion is what Gretchen Rubin calls it. Social contagion. Let's, let's be honest, man. We catch emotions. We catch thoughts from other people. And right now we're in probably like the biggest thought current tornado of fear that I've ever experienced in my time on this planet. So from, from what you can see and, and from your training, which I want to dig into your story too, in this podcast, cause you have an incredible story, man. Like you almost lost your life on a mountain. You've trained with monks, like let's go there. But before we get into that, like, like share with us what you see as the thought current right now, and then what you believe your voice, your community, everything you're doing with your podcast is doing to shift the current. That's a really great question. It's really big. I think it's so individual. And I think that there can be a lot of positive from this because a lot of people are waking up. You know, you and I, if we had this conversation three years ago, we, we would have been aware of the Rockefellers. We would have been aware of the uh, Monsanto. We would have been aware of the food. We would have been aware of all these things. And if you have that uh, general conversation in the public, 90% of people are unaware of that and they could care less. Or they would call now, you a conspiracy theorist. Yeah, of course, right? Yeah, yeah 100%, right? And just disregard it even mm -hmm. though, you know, it's you just need to look at it a little bit. <laughs> just You need to just... Do a little tiny bit of research and just you can, take a you breath. Can prove it. <laughs> take yeah, a breath can, and look. Yeah, yeah, you can verify it. Just look here real quick. No, they don't want to. Um, yeah. So this is forcing people um, to reevaluate. And so I've seen my aunt and my mom really wake up, become aware of so much stuff. So, wow. so many people are waking up. So there are positives and they're going through this and they're saying, hey, Matt, what about this? I'm like, yeah, that's legit. And I know it's terrifying. But on the other side of that, I see, I see so much hope because – what I see as the worldview is this like this energy of fear that needs kind of uh, shading and delusion. You know what I mean? They need to manipulation. There's 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 deception all over, right? But truth cuts through that. 
And that's a bunch of people acting through fear. There's not a lot of strength. It's actually weakness, right? And so they want to push against a lot of people who are very strong. And a group of people are very, very strong. And, and that group of people wants the best for everyone. They want to be helpful to everyone. But they also want their freedoms. They don't want to be imposed by other people's views. Um, you know what I mean? To, to, be, to agree to something that they might not agree with also, but be cooperative. And so if you have those two in the same field, always the truth will win. And the truth is a lot stronger. I love the analogy that um, – one candle can light a thousand other candles without diminishing its own life. Or, you know, like one candle can light up a dark room. Mm. And I feel like that's what we're in now. Yeah. And we're all going through an individual process. And we have to make these choices ourselves. We have to make the choice to take care of our bodies, to uh, what are we going to put out in the world? Are we going to be looking for solutions or are we going to be looking to enforce um, legislation or, uh, you know, attack people verbally in different ways. Uh, so we have our views, um, mandated on everyone else. And if you look back at history, whenever you sided with the government and enforcing your views on another person, that was the side of tyranny. There was yeah. never a time where it wasn't, you know, the people that said, Hey, like, Let's work together and, and you know, please leave me alone. That was usually the side of the resistance. And that's what we're in now. And it's crazy that people uh, don't see that. So I feel like it's a very individual process and we are strong enough for this. And there's people like you and um, so many others out there that are just putting up the flag and saying, let's do this together. Because if you show me good evidence right now and everything changes, that changes my whole worldview, I'll look at it and I'll, I'll change it because information evolves and, and we need to do this together. If we want to create a civilization that is peaceful, that is cooperative, that is tolerant, that is compassionate, we need to be that ourselves to the best of our ability. And we need other people to participate if people do not participate in that idea through their own volition, right, then we have nothing. But fear prevents them from doing that. And I, you know, I see the biggest danger in all this is separating and seeing people as a germ, you know, six feet away, being afraid of your fellow man. And that is the sickest thing to me. Don't hug. Like it's taking the humanity out of it, especially uh, what it's doing to kids and their psychology. It's yes. truly awful. And so I was like, no, nah, that humanity is strong and we're stronger together. And, and if we're going to evolve as a species, we have to do it together. Wow, man. I've just like... I want to pause, like if you're watching this live, share this right now. And if you're listening or watching this on YouTube or on iTunes, like share this podcast because we have to, it's our, it's our moral heart-based connected to God, connected to our brothers and sisters, why we're here on the planet, duty, obligation, but not a, not an obligation, like a negative thing. Like it's our loving obligation to speak the truth. And I love this because the truth is always undefeated. It might be held down for a while, but I almost feel like, Matt, the truth is like a beach ball. Like you can hold it for a while. Eventually you're going to get tired of holding it. It's going to pop up to the top of the water. That's what I feel like is going to happen in 2021. I, my sense is that it's going to all unravel. It's going to all go down in 2021 because we're already seeing the dominoes fall. Like it's no surprise that these states are opening and they're saying, I will not surrender to your fucking tyranny. I'm not going to cower and wear a mask and make my child have psychological damage because I'm trying to, quote, protect someone else's health. It is utter bullshit. I need to calm down. Right. <laughs> you see, I, I, I get I, I become a slave to my amygdala, too. 
what's below that though, is I just love and care for my life and I love freedom and I enjoy being in a body and I like eating food and kissing my loved ones and and being with my lady and, and going on a walk. Like these are all things that our ego and that life gets to experience and they are being taken away almost like a parasite that plugs into an animal and sucks just enough blood so you don't know it's there. And and the second part of that question, Matt, was with your community and your podcast, like, what do you believe is your stand for truth? Like, you've already talked about, you've really unpacked where we are, but what do you believe you're making as far as a difference? Like, what's your what's your signal? What's your call with with your brand, your podcast, and you right now? That's a great question. Well, you know, one of the prayers that I've had uh, for a long time, I I write them all down, and and it usually goes something like this: It's you know, Spirit, please allow me to work with the most wise, authentic, benevolent people of service to humanity to essentially build a better world together. Who is out there doing things in a cooperative manner? That's that's all I want to do. I want to be uh, helpful, and I would like to learn and express and enjoy my life and and see what I'm capable of and also give back. But I want to know who out there is looking for solutions to the planet's big problems. And with my platform and my podcast, it's always been to interview again, like who's, who are the leaders in consciousness, spirituality, personal development, health and wellness and human potential? What are we capable of? Because like Wim Hof, I love him for a great example because he's like, Hey, you can do this. So he did all these things that were supposed to be impossible and and amazing. He's like, now you can do this too. And now this whole entire community has a new set of beliefs of what they believe are capable of doing. And with martial arts, that's what it was for me was it pushes you beyond what you think you're capable of. So then you are less afraid of other things. And you say, you know what? I could take that same skill, determination, and grit essentially and apply all those principles to something positive I want to create in this world. And the more of us that get closer to a vocation, um, that that thing, that livelihood that inspires us because, you know, money is basically the modern form of slavery. You know, if you're lucky to be in a Western country um, or a developed country, you have an opportunity to make money, have a little bit of freedom um, and then build, you know, a vocation or build something you're inspired to do, which is which what I've seen is almost always of service to other people. When you're just making money for money, you really don't care what the impact is or, yeah. you know, what you're doing. So if we can get all towards right livelihood or, or thinking about a vocation, I've, it's always of service to other people. And that's a lot of what I try to help people with on the podcast say, you know, who are you? What do you want to do? What would you do if you had a million dollars deposited in your bank every single day for the rest of your life? What would you do if you only had one year to live? Well, what makes you think you're going to have more than one year to live? You know what I mean? Mm. And so asking these questions, you know, if you were to just give yourself right now a dream, passion, purpose, mission, you know, what would that be? And, um, in helping a lot of people do this, I created a course called soul compass. And the idea is just like the heading going to burning man, which I don't know if they'll ever have again. I hope so. is a lot of fun, but you kind of like get a sense of who people are really quick. And you say, you want to jump in? You look like you want to, I haven't in. been there. I was just, you were feeling what I was going to say. I haven't been there yet. And I'm like, I hope they have it. Cause I'd love to go. Yeah, it's tons of, it's tons of fun. I've also, you know, cause I go down all the rabbit holes. Some of them say it's like a dark uh, thing by the CIA. Could be too, you know what I mean. But <laughs> I, I had a, I had a. I, I say, I say it could be like, uh, you know, even on the left, uh, like with climate change, because people, um, they'll say climate change is this. And I'm like, yeah, I was like, climate change could be real, and you could still hijack the movement to do 
bad things. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they can, there could, there could be simultaneous truths, you know what I mean? And so, um, so that's a, that's a side note. So for the, the Burning Man example, you just kind of figure out, uh, you know, how people are and, and most people, like when I ask those questions, um, what would you do if you had a million dollars a day forever? They have no idea. They never even thought about it. And that's all I ever thought about is like who I am, how do I want to express and how do I want to give back? Mm. And so if you're thinking about your vocation or your life purpose, most people don't know if they're going north, east, south or west. And it's not about a final destination. It's about a current. And so if you're not creating your life on purpose, it's getting created for you by default, by, you know, other people's um, uh, wishes for you, maybe your parents, maybe your culture. Or that thought or current your, we were talking about. You're getting caught up in th- someone else's current. The, the mainstream thought current. Yeah, it could be, right? A safety, security, right? Whatever the case is. And then you're in that stream like a stream of fish. Well, all you really need to do is start thinking for yourself, do some reflection. Then you're like, oh, you know what? I'm going to go north. And you don't know exactly. And so then you start paddling north. You get out of that current. It's a little bit wobbly. Then all of a sudden, after a while, you get into a, like a new current and you start to getting all these new experiences that show up in your life. And then you're going like northeast and you refine it and refine it and refine it. So you're like really dialed in on the 360 degrees, but it's not a final destination. It's a way, right? And so you're going to like, I didn't know I was going to do the podcast. I didn't know I was going to write a book. I didn't know I was going to interview David Martin. You know what I mean? And like, for me, I was like, I want to be around amazing people who are providing solutions. And then, you know, part of that is traveling the planet. And I, you know, I went to Egypt. I got to do a lot of cool things. Um, now things are obviously shifting, but it's a direction and an intention and the universe kinds of kind of brings it to me. But the way that I, um, kind of share it with people so they understand is from my experience, it's like the forest. If you go into the forest and you see a beaver pretending to be an Eagle, it's going to be a terrible Eagle and he's not going to have a good experience. He's going to hate everything. He's like, why am I even doing this? And then, uh, you know, you've got uh, a fish trying to be a duck and then he's obviously not, that's not working out. So whenever we get centered on who we are, what our own passions and interests are, what our curiosities are, and we merge that with practicing it, um, taking the time to refine it and then figuring out a way to share that with others and saying, universe, please show me a way that I can continue to move and evolve and experience the things that I'm passionate about, but also share that with others in a way that I can provide for my family, make a positive impact and do something positive for others. It's always of service to everything else. It's always cohesive and coherent and cooperative with the environment. So now the beaver is doing beaver things, chopping down the trees and making his little dams. And somehow it's always cooperative for the environment. So, um, I feel like that's, that's the message that I'd like to share with people is just Mm. connect to your own, your own purpose, your own vocation, your own empowerment, your own connection with spirit, live in the best way you can in kindness, compassion, and happiness and contentment. Um, and just set your intention constantly, uh, with prayer and reminder to, you know, kind of make your life a living prayer because none of us really have any idea what is going on here, right? If you think about <laughs> right? Like life, we really yes. only know a tiny bit of a tiny bit. We, yeah. we really have no idea what's going on. And so, but we do know what we can intend and having a good discussion with one of my friends, I felt like, oh, maybe that's what consciousness is. It's just the ability to intend. Like he goes, what is mind? You know, I was like thinking about, it. I was like, it's the consciousness and mind is the only piece that I can intend because it just is doing all these crazy random things all the time that I'm not controlling the thought current. But when I connect with the presence, I can then intend, then I can, you know, try to be peaceful and present, but then I intend again, or 
I am a slave to all of these external forces and I make reasons why I need to make these choices. I need to make a reason why I show up at this job I hate. I I make a reason why I make this choice that I know will harm someone else. I, I make up a reason why I need to go do this thing and enforce my views on someone else, right? You know, with your work and my work, it's an invitation. These are views that you can take or leave and I hope that they will empower you to live a more fulfilled, whole, purposeful life um, so you can spread that energy with others. I love the picture you're painting because people have traded convenience for their freedom for so long. Like, I think we all feel it. Like we've seen our potentially fathers, mothers, grandparents, like trade the toaster for sovereignty, trade the car, the things, the objects for like this potential carrot that's somehow going to bring us happiness. And I love this, man. This is like one of the most practical, real grounded conversations we've had on the podcast about what it means to be a human. You know, we can't fulfill our human potential if we're distracted by convenience because convenience, I feel like is the opposite. It's like, it's, it's like the dark contrast of freedom. Freedom is something that we're all born with. We're all born free. But I feel like it's our life path. And I love how you have this compass course, which we'll definitely link in this podcast. I love this compass analogy because like, man, we all get our ass kicked. Let's be real. Like many people get beat to the ground and it's on your knees when you might ask God for where's the compass. And so I think of this quote, you you made me um, flash back to a mentor of mine who's deceased. His name's Alan Watts. And he said, what makes you itch? What is it that you desire? What is it? What If you could do anything and money was no option, what would it be? He's like, that's what I ask my students. That is the path. That is the path of freedom. It is not getting some perfect job that's going to feel safe, which by the way, it's not safe. They can let you go at any time. It's all an illusion. The only way, Matt, and I'm curious how you feel about this. The only way for us to be free right now is to have the courage to lean into something that we really love. And if we don't know what we love, just have the, cur- the courage to be curious. Like that's really where we are as a humanity, as a human race right now. What are your thoughts on that? I love everything that you're saying. And I love Alan Watts just for clarity. Did he mentor you in real life or just somebody who's. He mentored me in the shower when I started the podcast in 2015. Like I just listened to his stuff when I'd be in the shower. (laughs) And like, so he was my mentor. Like not everybody has to be alive to be a mentor, you know? Well I, just, I, well, I wanted to make sure for clarity because I'm a huge fan of Alan Watts. I was like, did, did you actually know him? That'd be cool. Like, Maybe in a past yeah. life. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I, I was at, uh, I think it was, he lived in uh, San Francisco yes. or something like that. And he was like on a little boat. I feel like I, I was there once or saw it. And I was like, that's cool. Yeah. So yeah, I'm a huge, huge yeah. fan of Alan Watts. And he was so eloquent and brilliant. And the first book I read of his was The Way of Zen. And I picked this book up when I'm in Whistler and I was thinking, oh, The Way of Zen, perfect. I'll read this. I had to have a dictionary beside me for every friggin' paragraph because he, he is so incredibly smart and he would take all these um, topics and just, you know, he, he would bring it, he would give you amazing analogies, but that guy was amazing. And I've listened yeah, to a truly. lot of his lectures too. So yeah, put him on. And that's what I'm talking about, mental nutriments, right? Imagine that's what we're pumping through uh, our mainstream TVs, our our news outlets, like people like him, all these great leaders, right? Where are they? Where are these messages? And so he he's such a great example. Um, he's so good. He's so good, man. Yeah. The question was just to reflect on where we are in our evolution right now, because the thought current that Watts was putting out 
And the thought current that you and I are putting out literally is a dial of attention, right? So in other words, the question is, based on where we put our attention right now, where do you think we actually are? Like, where are most people's attention? And how do we do this collective? It's a big question. I know it's a big question, man. I like to ask big questions. <laughs> Love big questions, but, yeah. but, but how do we take that thought current and flip the switch? Is it just by doing these podcasts? Or what are the more practical things that we can do on a daily basis to turn the thought current towards love, towards power, towards freedom? It's a really great question. And when you were talking about Alan Watts, I was thinking about another great quote. There's a book uh, by Viktor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning. I know you've you've probably brought it up. It's such a brilliant book. And I pulled up this quote because it's one of my favorite quotes. Um, He was, you know, suffered through the Holocaust and he was, you know, whatever, went through the concentration camp. It's like unimaginable. Unimaginable. Kind of of suffering. He's unimaginable. And he was a psychologist. And one of the things that he wrote, I love this quote, it says, the last of the human freedoms to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way. And there were there were always choices to make. Every day, every hour offered the opportunity to make a decision, a decision which determined whether you would or would not submit to those powers, powers which threatened to rob you of your very self, your inner freedom which determined whether or not you became the plaything to circumstance, renouncing freedom and dignity. So that mm. quote, I think is the best uh, answer for that, but it's, it's these choices. We all have these choices to make. And so, you know, as far as practical terms of, cause I love practical stuff. You know, when I wrote Zen athlete, it's like, how do I have peak performance? If I read a peak performance book, I want to know how to do the thing. So, you need like a, a meditation practice. It doesn't have to be meditation. It could be art. It could be music. Just something that holds your focus. I would recommend that because when you have a meditation practice, and a lot of people still don't, what it does, it gives you space between your thoughts. So if you go throughout your day and then you, you feel afraid, you recognize that it's just a thought. The, the fear sticks to you. The emotion sticks to you. And that's what's happening to our greater society. We look around. We see mass. We, we feel anger. We feel frustration. We might feel fear. And it sticks to us, but meditation chooses, uh, teaches you that you can actually create space. It's like if you imagine a uh, beautiful marble or a crystal ball and um, it's just got slime on it, right? And sticks. Well, the meditation just kind of puts a little bit of a space between and like, ooh, light, like just peace, you know, connection. And so it takes space from those emotions so you don't have to wear them immediately. Um, the Ho'oponopono is, is really brilliant as a way of being, just recognizing that you create your whole reality. And it's a really challenging one right now. It's like, am I creating this world that's all messed up? Maybe I am in a video game. I don't yeah. know, but you know, <laughs> I can, I can create my, um, emotional state and, and then come back to a choice that is congruent with my own integrity. And so as I take in the information and I observe the world and I see the challenges, setting the intention to find the solution. So for me it's podcasting, then I get inspired to do the next thing and the new, do the next thing. So for other individuals, it'd be different, but you know, a lot of people who have kind of been just say living life by default for what's offered to them. They're, they're reflecting on everything. And one of those things is their mortality, right? So I was like, Hey, do I really want to do this for 40 years? Is this, is this really what I've been sold? Do do I want to continue making this choice or do I want to bring that power in to go through my own processes, to go through my own learning and to go through my own uh, way of being. And I feel like it's a really beautiful space. So whatever that's going to be for them is going to be individual, but also journaling. 
is a really powerful self-reflection tool. I like the, to give my clients just uh, my life is ideal when dot, 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 you know, mm. just, just draw that out. That's and a great prompt. Of, yeah. My life is ideal when. Yeah. Right. And then, and then here's the, and then here's the caveat though. This is the, and I always say, I don't know how to do this. If you, if you figure it out, you tell me, but, um, so if I boil down Zen athlete in the simplest terms of what I would like to communicate, and I wrote it specifically for kids, it's for everyone. Um, it is the tools for peak performance. If you read that and you're an artist, if you read that as a business person and you learn what it takes for an athlete like Brody Carmichael to do a trick that's never been done when you're like lining up to do a double backflip or do a front flip on your motorcycle, the psychology that goes to that, if you apply those tools of mastery to anything else, or what I learned with training with the Shaolin monks, if you apply that to general business, you will smash it. I assure you, because you don't have that necessity. You don't have the necessity of like, oh, well, if I don't succeed at this, you know, I'm not going to break both my legs simultaneously or maybe my back and die. You know, it's like <laughs> you can kind of yeah. relax. And the same with, um, you know, regular sports psychology. You know, when I when I listen to some of the sports psychologists and books out there, I can kind of tell what they've done and they haven't done anything that put themselves at risk because the people who have, they might not have the same training, but they speak differently. And I can tell they know because there's there's a little bit of a difference when like, you know, you can break both your legs or something going to punch you as hard as they can in the face. It, uh, it changes the dynamic a little bit, but the strategies and tools that you can implement are super easy and accessible. Um, and so can't even remember where I was going with that. I mean, the meditation is great. The, the really like the breath has been so powerful for me, just tuning into circular breathing, like breathing in through my nose, exhaling through my mouth, three, 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 inhale, hold, exhale, using my belly as a conduit, tapping into my nervous system so I can tilt the needle over to parasympathetic. Like whether you're spiritual or scientific, man, there is no doubt in my mind that breathing will change the world the more we can talk about it. Not everybody's meant for plant medicine. And quite frankly, like plant medicine is not the choice. I don't think for most people, I think there should be a path and a trusted space. I think plant medicine is being overused and I think integration is being underused. And I think that we can use what you talked about where we have specific journaling and, and we can really almost like create a fortification around our center, you know, and, and this makes me think about when you were on the mountain, like you went to some crazy places to fortify your internal strength so that you could then show up for your clients and, and lead this movement with what you're doing with Zen Athlete and your brand. You were on a mountain. You almost died. Let's go there because, man, like trekking Everest, first of all, who who wants to do that? I see photos of Everest. I'm like, no, thanks. <laughs> I'm not I'm not really down with that. But, but, but something in you, you went to Nepal, you were studying meditation, and then you have this near-death experience. Like, I don't know this story. Can you please share this story with us? Because I think it directly relates to what you just described with the athletes and the everyday human. Yeah, it's a it's a great question. I, I remember that whole rant of where it's going. So I wanted to end it, and then I'll answer your question. So of all the things that I've learned in peak performance and, and the near-death experiences and the thing, I actually had a gun held to my head and, uh, and where the heck was I? Well, Guatemala, that was interesting. I talked down a man with a machete once. So I've definitely had some interesting experiences wow. during my travels. And so if I boil down what I wanted to teach the kids with Zen Athlete is if you're going to take a basketball shot, you're going to try a business, you're going to try something. Um, first thing you do is clear your mind. A person who can clear their mind and just take uh, get centered and a person who can't is a fundamental shift in consciousness in the way you navigate your existence. Second thing is visualize the shot going in. This teaches you that you influence your reality. 
fundamental shift in consciousness and the way you navigate your life and experience. Third thing, you miss the shot. What's the most powerful and positive perspective you can have? Um, so it's not about what exactly happens in your life. It's how you respond to it What is what gives you your power and creates who you are. Now, if you can do this, and this is the thing I can't do and I was going to get to. If you can do this from a state of contentment, joy, happiness, bliss, and surrender with what you know, with what you have, with who you are, with the experience you have right now in the very moment now and now and now forever – then you've got it mastered because if we need that next thing, if we need to get the basketball shot in or we need to get this business goal or we need to graduate university or we need to get this house, there's always going to be another thing that will prevent you from being whole, blissful, harmonious now. So I wanted to make that point because I think it's important. Um, that's, and a so- big, that's a big point too. Let, let's pause <laughs> right there because yeah, the mindset of like, I have to have the thing, I have to get to the goal. And if I don't get to the goal, I'm not worth anything then, then the journey's over. It's like, hold on. We've all heard that the, the journey is actually the destination. It's not just a, it's so funny, bro. Some of these social media memes, the reason they're so placated is because they're so incredibly powerful and so true. Like what you just did was you took and expounded upon the journey is the destination. Like who cares if we make the shot? I mean, yeah, it's nice, but God, like, who are we when we don't? How do we treat ourselves when we don't get the thing that our ego was like super attached to? So thank you for that reminder. Yeah. And, and to go straight into peak performance mode, let's imagine, you know, I'm talking to LeBron James and and training him and he's going to make the, 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 uh, free throw to win the championship in game seven. Right. And he's got to make it. If he's whole, complete and harmonious in himself, whether he makes the shot or not, he will have less stress going through his body, which will dramatically increase the chances of him making the shot. Yeah. So if you're whole and complete and harmonious in who you are, um, no matter what's happening in the outside world, it is such a more powerful state of being. You attract faster. You go through life. It's a whole different way to ride the ship. It's kind of like we're all in the ocean and it's totally nuts out there. And some of us are holding on and like stressed out and you can play the game that way. Right. And some, some of us are doing a little bit differently. And Alan Watts has a great analogy for this. He goes, you know, the, the purpose of life is so simple. It's just to live. He's just like, you know, he's like, when you, when you uh, learn music, you don't work the piano, you play the piano. And it's like, life is meant to be played like a, like a symphony, like a musical note. And if we think about life as more of a game or as a play of these ups and downs and experiences, it's a much more pleasant experience. It's how we go through the process. Um, but there is hard work involved and there's uh, challenges and just recognizing that they're there, but and they're a part of, part of it, not to make it a good or a bad thing. And so these distinctions can really help us when we want to navigate challenges and resilience. Right now, we need a lot of resilience, a lot of emotional yes. resilience, mental resilience, and community is so huge for that. And so when you can embody the person that you want to be um, and what you want to attract in, kindness, compassion, happiness, community, um, solutions-based – caring, you're going to attract that type of community in. And, you know, if you go the really dark way with this, you know, with the contact tracing and, you know, somebody was like, uh, what do they say? Write your debt. I went to, I had to go to a funeral recently and it was very sad and everyone was wearing a mask and, you know, he's like, Hey, write down your name for contact tracing. I was like, do you want to give me a yellow star too? And that's like, he's like, what do you mean? I was like, uh, I'm not bowing down to like communist China and Canada right now. And I never knew about China's influence in Canada until three months ago and how nuts it is. And so I was like, nah, you know, and they don't have that, that, you know, uh, idea. So, but what I'm doing with, you know, 
my work is saying I'm I'm out for peace and freedom and kindness and community. Yeah. And the people that are yelling at me, they want to put the yellow star on me. So at least I'm aware of what they want to do. I was like, you can do that, but can I run away? Right? I'm not going to fight you. I'm going to run away. But if you put me into a corner and then you want to fight, like that's yeah. probably not going to be good for you. Well, you know because I mean? love love does not cower in the face of evil. Like people, people in the spiritual community, man, and I'm glad you brought this up. The spiritual, the spiritual community is rife with like, it's all good vibes only love and light, you know, take the higher road. It's like, that's not true because even in unity is duality. Okay. Like we have to have them both. That's how God experiences God. So we're in a big theater here. And so if you are backed into a corner, of course, What's happening right now and how this even leads to the fortitude that we're going to explore when you were on the mountain in Nepal is like everyone's climbing their own mountain. Everyone's figuring out, do I have the courage to love, even if love means that I fight for myself or that I let people know that I can't be fucked with or that my family it doesn't allow to wear masks or whatever it is. We're all having our own unique journey, but it's really coming down to this one thing. And that is, do I love myself and am I willing to stand for love? Not, I'm not, I'm not advocating war. And again, like, I, I don't want this to come across that, like, we need to have conflict and we need to fight and because that's not the kind of energy I'm wanting to put out. What I'm saying in different words is if we can just stand for that love and actually embody the love, which you spoke about, that's when the world changes. Unfortunately, we're all climbing the mountain and everybody gets their hands cold and they get their legs tired and they're like, fuck, I don't want to climb this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. And I think that's when the ego looks for an out. The ego looks to make someone else wrong or to attack someone else. Like, can, can we walk this segue to, to you on the mountain? Because for me, like I, I've done some serious things like physically I've done like a 14 hour crucible. I've done seal fit training. I've done marathons. I've done weight training, all this stuff, but I've never in my mind wanted to like climb the tallest mountain in the world. Everest is the tallest mountain. Yeah. Yeah. Everest is the tallest, but you know, I think everything that you, you shared there, you would have learned the same things that I did. You know, when I went to, uh, I wanted to be enlightened, right? So I like one of the smart things I think I do. I do a lot of very stupid things, I can assure you. <laughs> and so um, one of the smarter things that I do is when I want to learn something, I try to surround myself with the best people on the planet. And so if I wanted to be enlightened, I figured Tibetan monks would be the way to go. So I couldn't go to Tibet because it is occupied by China and it still is to this day. Um, so I had to go to Nepal to meditate with uh, monks there. And when I arrived, they said, Hey, are you going to trek Everest? I didn't even know that it was, uh, that, uh, it was there. I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, I guess so. Cause I came all the way here may as well. And so I decided to do uh Gokuri, which is one peak. It's supposed to give you a better view of Everest and then Everest. And so it was hard because it was in the winter, but I didn't summit it. That's a whole nother animal. I was going to Thailand after this to train MMA at, uh, at another academy and I had like six months of travel laid out. So number one, it was crazy expensive. Um, but that's the animal. That's where like the real legit people are. There's summoning Everest. I just did the baby one where I got to, to base camp, but, uh, something, but I had a snowstorm. So I go up to Gokuri, which is the first peak and it's been sunny every day. And they say, Hey, do you want to check out the view or do you want to go in the morning? And I was like, Oh, we'll go in the morning. And I was hiking with this other guy for a little bit wake up in the morning and I can't see anything. It's just pure, uh, socked in foggy. Can't see a thing. And I'm furious because I could have gone the night before and saw it. I can't even see Himalayas. So I have to walk down and then now three days up to base camp and I am so mad. And so I, yeah, I go down one day and I start walking up and the first day there's a little bit of snow. The second day, 
there is a ton of snow. I wake up in the morning and it's like waist deep in the top of the Himalayas. And you know what? Have you ever read uh, Life and Teachings of the Masters of the Far East? No. That I highly recommend. That that series of books is absolutely phenomenal. It's like autobiography of a yogi on steroids, if you could imagine that. And apparently it's legit. Uh, Baird Spaulding, the author, apparently it's, you know, everyone that I've talked to is like, yeah, that's a legit set of books. It, mm. It's wild. Like things are materializing. Ascended masters are coming like a Yogananda's story. So, so walking up there, um, I think it was that day or the day before I saw a monastery on the side of the mountains four days up four days, five days up trekking to Everest is a monastery. Uh, and I talked to my guides. I was like, do you know what that is? And they're like, no. And there's this monastery on the edge of a cliff, you know, eyesight four days up. So there are monasteries out there. I don't know how they get there, wow. but what's the elevation? Magic. What's the elevation on this monastery? I don't I have no idea, man. Like, so they even, even getting into the, the first day you, you fly in and you do this super sketchy airport. It's the, I'm looking it up before I go. It's like literally the most dangerous airport on the, in the world. This little tiny runway, you, you, you like basically fly into the side of a mountain, the short runway, but it's, it's high, but it was oh, four days, four days up that I saw this monastery on the side of a mountain. And they're like, we don't know how to get there. I was like, are you serious? They're like, yeah. And I also asked my guy just for fun. I was like, Hey, I was like, have you guys ever seen a Yeti? And my guide immediately says this. Nope. But my uh, dad said he saw one. <laughs> that was his answer. So I was like, cool. If Yetis exist, these guys are, would see him, right? They trek, <laughs> they trek it all the time. So that little side note. So I, I start to go and, and so on this day where it really snows, my guides say to me, if you don't get to the next thing, cause you have two days back up, you're not going to see the peak of Everest. And after missing the first, you know, scenic view, there's no way I'm going to miss this. So I say, okay, let's go. We walk out, we start walking and it's knee and waist deep snow. And if you've ever walked through knee and waist deep snow, you know how, uh, challenging that is. And we tried to get across this Valley and we were walking for about two hours and got nowhere. So we had to retreat down and, it's such an immense amount of energy. I was sweating so profusely and I was really high up. So now all my stuff is soaked because, mm. you know, it's inner and outer soaked. We have a little bit of lunch and we start walking again. And now the temperature drops and it starts to get to nighttime. And they're like, uh, we, we go across this, um, kind of this Valley and we see one one set of people and they say, don't go because, um, no one's left. So we're the only ones that have trying to go up and one person tried to go down and they said, don't go. And we're about at this big pitch and my, my energy starts to go down and they say, Hey, we can't stop here because you will not see Everest with your time frame." So I was like, all right, well, let's keep going. So I keep walking and my energy starts to deplete more and more and more. I'm kind of using these psychological tools to say, I have lots of energy. This is easy, blah, blah, blah. But it keeps depleting as I'm going up this hill. I start taking rests on rocks over and over, taking more rests, and my eyes start to close. And at this point, I can't even really feel my body. And it gets to the point where I'm halfway up this pitch and I'm fully depleted with energy. I hear my voice, but outside of myself say, it's okay, Matt, go to sleep. Not my inner voice. Like it's something that's never happened before or it's never happened since. It was my voice like outside of myself, but like a different thing, not, not my inner dialogue. And I was like, that's super weird. That's not good. Hmm. I need to figure out what's going on here. So I kind of went into robot mode, realized I was in trouble, 
got to the top of this pitch, which ended up being, they're like, hey, this is Everest Graveyard. I was like, oh, shoot. So oh my God. Hike for about you showed another, up at the graveyard? So I, by the time I got to this top pitch, after I heard my voice in this weird meta- metaphysical world type of deal, uh, yeah, that at the top of the pitch was the graveyard. So I was like, this, mm. is, this is like, I can't believe this is happening. And so I was like, I just got to get to this place. So another hour through of walking through deep snow, we cross this valley. I get to this, um, um, the cabin, and I saw it like 100 meters away. I could have fallen and just been totally – the. This is the, this is why it was scary because it wasn't scary. It was peaceful. Me with the idea of me stopping and like at one point, like just before about 200 meters away, I see that we had to, we had to cross, uh, uh, like water in boots and like is Himalayan middle of the winter yes. water track one day out from Everest. And I didn't care. I couldn't feel my body. I could have lied in the water comfortably and just went to sleep and been totally cool with it mentally. That's why it was terrifying. So like, I was like not resisting it. So it was like this other process of like robot mode getting me out of there. So we get to the the cabin. I take off my clothes are all soaking wet. I can't eat the soup. And um, they use like yak dung for everything. And they make a little fire and they're going to close it off. I was like, you guys need to make another fire for me. They're like, no, we're rationing. It's like, you need to make me another fire. They make me another fire. Um, I wake up the next morning. I think I'm okay. And I start walking and I have no energy in my body whatsoever. Basically get to Everest, um, get helicoptered out because I'm seeing it. I'm like, as soon as I see this thing, I'm getting out of here. I see it. I get helicoptered down. And, you know, as they're kind of treating me, I talk to the doctor and he goes, did you know that you were in a record breaking snowstorm? From what you described, your body was shutting down. And had you gone to sleep or your body went into hypothermia, you weren't getting out that night because of the storm. We would have to wait till the morning. You would have been toast. And so it took me about a day and a half to kind of recover and, um, you know, get back to my senses. But that was, you know, probably the first of like four or five near death experiences I've had. And each one is just a reminder for me of, am I being honest and intentional with my life and myself? So I don't purposely put myself in dangerous situations, although it tends to happen because I'm a bit more of an extreme person. It more is like, I know I'm capable of a lot and I'm connected to, uh, not because I'm special, but because all people are capable of a lot. Um, and I'm connected to a greater force and we all are, and life is not permanent and I'm guided and I'm protected by that same force that protects everything in the universe. And as long as I'm honoring myself, when I have my own inner dialogues and I know what is my right and wrong, what's my integrity, uh, what's my contribution. And I can be honest with that. I know if I'm living a good life because they're by my own standards, because there's so little about this world that I understand and know for sure. Information evolves, um, you know, as far as what we know from consciousness, we only perceive a tiny little bit of information, tiny little bit of the light spectrum, yeah. tiny little bit of the sound spectrum. Uh, but what we do know is what our intentions are, um, who we want to be, um, you know, how we treat others. And so we do know some things. And so I try to make sure that those things that I can control, um, I'm very deliberate with and I do my best to be consistent with. Definitely not perfect. You know what I mean? I was, my dad really pissed me off today when I was, a, you know, he was in being a butt and I wasn't the kindest, but, uh, um, you know, so we just got to do our best in this world, I think. And if we can continue to do that and honor ourselves and honor our lives as special and honor everyone else's journey with where they are, whether yeah. they're in fear and creation, whatever, offer them a hand up, you know, not a, not a, you know, a baseball bat to the head down, you know, and, and that will be, 
um, up to us, like, you know, the character that we build within ourselves. I mean, the story, like I was, it's cool when you were saying it, cause I could actually see it. I could actually see the field and the snow and the yak dung and the cabin and the doctor and all this. And the one thing I was thinking was, holy shit, I've almost died on a mountain too. I hiked Mount, <laughs> I hiked Mount Whitney for the third time and I got um, high altitude edema. So my brain started to swell. And oh, wow. luckily I had a friend with me and he walked me down, but it was a full moon that night and, and a lot of things that I'll share on some other podcasts at some other time. But yeah, that really cracked me open. Like it was a part of my hero's journey. Like it was initiatory. And that's the energy that I get from you in on this mountain was like, that was an initiation for you. Like what, what, what did that you had, you had beautiful awareness right now, but at that time, what did you feel initiated into? Yeah. You know, that was the first big travel that I did when I, I've always known that I wanted to travel the world and I wanted to explore and that I wanted to just test myself and, and live a, an extraordinary life. Like dancing with death, dancing with death like that is initiatory, no matter who you are. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, for me, it was just like, it was, it was just like, uh, like keep going, you know, that's what it was for me. It's like, you got this, you know, don't, don't be afraid. Just, just kind of keep going because, um, you chose to be here, but, but it also gave me this, this sense of comfort in knowing that there is something greater. Like I knew it before and I had glimpses of it, but that weird experience with my, the mind is like, you know, this, this thing that you're experiencing life is, is illusionary, you know, and you are infinite and eternal. And I knew it. And that's what it was. It, it gave me a little bit of, I call them universal winks. And one of the things I like to share on my podcast, if you <laughs> listen to it, is that I invite people to do three kind acts a day, take the kindness challenge, do three kind acts a day, go out of your way to do it and don't tell anybody. And this is from, this is the best spiritual teaching I've ever heard from any book or any person that comes from David Lombert, Senna Pass. And, uh, I was like, yeah, that's, that's it because it's so simple. But I was like, if you do it, you'll probably get a universal wink. And there's something strange that will happen just for you that, you know, it's like a glitch in the matrix. You know what I mean? And it'll be just for you and something strange will happen. And so many people have written me and they go, I love it. They're never going to believe this dot, dot, dot. <laughs> just to tell me a crazy story. So for me, yeah, it was, it was, it was that it's like, I don't know this, it increased my faith. You know what I mean? Because even now with all this stuff, like I, I said, I, I go up and down and I wish I could stay in those states of high consciousness of certainty. Right. And I hear, I've had guests on my show where I feel like they do live in that certainty, uh, quite a lot of the time. And I think it's beautiful and magical. I'm definitely not there. I, I, I fluctuate between certainty and frustration and anger, uh, occasional rage. Uh, there's peace in there too. Um, you know, and sometimes all of that comes from skateboarding alone. And so I think that, uh, that's a, that's a part of it, but, um, yeah, life, life is beautiful. And I do think that there is a divine force that life's like with all this negative stuff that you and I see, I think that that life force, right? Like you chop down a forest, but somehow life continues. I feel like that life force is stronger than any kind of darkness or suppression or evil that exists on this planet. And we need to just make those choices to maintain our own integrity so that when we do die, that we honored ourselves and not some other thing. Yeah. I mean, that could have been an entire podcast of its own, your story <clears throat> going up the mountain. And for some reason, what I was feeling was, God, that's when we all understand how precious life is when we're threatened with it. 
and the initiation of like all the hero's journeys, whether it's Star Wars or Indiana Jones or any of these, it's all the same story. It reminds me of, uh, have you seen the movie um, Finding Joe? It's a documentary no. series. You you would love it. We're going to link. I, I, I mention this all the time that the people listening to the show are going to be like, you've already talked about this like 10 times. I know because it's so good. Have you watched it? I mean, that's why I'm bringing it up. We we it, They talk about the stone Buddha in the beginning where there's the stone Buddha and there was this like, temple and it, and it was really just who we are, the love and the consciousness and the power that we hold. And over the course of time, there was wars and the village got taken over and the and the gold Buddha got covered with dirt and clay and mold. And so one day, like, you know, hundreds of years later, um, there was a gentleman taking a walk in the forest and all of a sudden he sees this little speck of gold and he picked it off and he went to the village and everybody came and it's like everyone had remembered that that icon of the gold is exactly the same gold inside of us. And so we spend our lives picking away at all the crap to reveal the gold inside of us. And whether you're metaphor driven or not, like your story, what you just shared, man, about like almost leaving the planet was really a way for you to have even more gratitude for the fact that you're here. And, and that's what all this shared suffering, this COVID, this stress, all this stuff, that's what God experiencing God is all about, is reminding us that the suffering is actually where we get to have a little bit of bleeding of gratitude for one another, that we're actually here. Like we made it, <laughs> you know, like we're here on the planet together. And so uh, as we get to the end of this time together, man, and, and I'd love to have you back on the show again, too, because I feel like we just like scratched the tip here. But as we get to the end of the show, like we've explored a lot of concepts. We talked about consciousness quite a bit. You shared an incredible story, which there's people commenting all about your story. Someone, uh, oh, it's actually my brother. He said, the scene where the Japanese hikers almost gave into the spirit of death. Have you seen Dreams by Kurosawa? Have you seen Dreams by Kurosawa? No. Neither, I don't know. This, uh, you got to link this up for me. It sounds neither, like all good stuff. Neither have I. I, as a, I. You know what? As a side note, I, I really like um, really out there movies. I've seen a lot of documentaries, but I also lo- uh, watch a lot of movies. Um what is that movie called? I'm going to remember the best movie ever and I'm going to recommend it Sweet. as you continue to talk. I remember, yes. but it's, it's so interesting and it, and it really shows like, you know, I think movie and documentary can help give us a glimpse into what we're experiencing now. You know what I mean? And so yes. when you're talking about the emotional things, I think about alchemy and most people think alchemy is turning lead to gold, which is part of it. Um, but really what the true alchemy is, is taking that negative emotion and, and creating, um, the positive from it. So it's like the fuel you take in the coal and you transmute it. And I feel like that's what's happening on the planet. We're taking in all this suffering and this awfulness and this trauma. And if we can transmute it, if we can have the strength and resilience to weather it, and we're, that's going to be the fuel for humanity 2.0 to say, we don't want to go back there. We don't want to go back to fear of everyone, of mass, of suppression, of being um, suppressed by all these different things that didn't work. Yeah. We need to go based on these values, these virtues, and be that individually first and foremost and, and impeccable integrity with their own actions. And that should flower out to the community. Um, and as I ranted, the movie, check it out. It's the trippiest movie I've ever seen. It's called The Holy Mountain. And um, there's a scene, I don't want to give it away, but it shows other civilizations kind of at, at one point in it. And I thought to myself during this coronavirus thing, I was like, I bet you it would take one or two generations for them to make us walk on our hands and knees, right? You've seen that if the coronavirus is three feet tall, everyone would go on their hands and knees. You've seen sure. that one, right? People mm-hmm. would do that, guaranteed. 
So it would take one or two generations to do that to the general mass media. I guarantee it. And then two or three other generations before we even forgot we could stand up. If we just go along with what something outside of us tells us that we're capable of, the government doesn't tell me what to be afraid of as far as uh, viruses and stuff. I get to make my own choice. You know what I mean? And, and if I look through the evidence of this thing is super frightening, I can make my own assessment of what I like to do that. It shouldn't mass man. They should inform me to the best of their ability, but not enforce on me um, things that I may or may not agree with because that's, you know, that's a belief. Maybe, you know, maybe I don't believe it and maybe I trust in my immune system and I don't want a needle because I don't trust you and I don't know what's in it. And I'd rather trust my own uh, body's intelligence. And I'd like that freedom, please. Well, uh, this movie sounds awesome. I'm totally going to check it out. And yes, it will be in the show notes. And what I was getting towards was this question of wellness. And before I get there, man, because I love how you and I can ping pong, it's really cool to do a podcast with somebody who runs a podcast because we're, we're exploring so much, yet we're always moving forward in this conversation. Like this has been awesome. Like this, this actually reminds me why I podcast. You know, I have so many of these like uh, huge people with like millions of followers and, you know, 15 books and they're on Dr. Oz. And sometimes I'm like, it's not as fun. <laughs> like this is way more fun because people understand what you're saying because your heart is open. And I think that is the duality that I'm leading towards here in this last question. It's like, how do we make sense of all this thing? I don't know if the human brain, the limbic system was designed for constant adulation and constant pleasure. I, I don't hold judgment against these people that that rise into their ego because I don't know what it's like to be them and have 50 million people shouting my name and loving me. But th the big question is this, man, with the movie you mentioned, with the story we've explored and all the things, how would you define this wellness question, this quotient of like, how do we live well? What is Matt Belair's definition of wellness to actually live well in this current reality we understand that like there's probably citizens out there in like different galaxies that they don't have to deal with duality. They're always in love. But here right now in this 3D, how do you define living well? How do you define wellness in this world? That's a really great question. And right now, more challenging than ever. I think that wellness has to be defined, defined by the individual. And I feel like it will include mental, emotional, and spiritual. And so some of the spiritual community and wellness community, they'll talk about different things, but I look at their physical body and I'm like, you know, you should probably take care of that. Like that's something that's easy, not, not a judgment, but you know, we, that is our vessel. We, we want to take care of our body. So, you know, taking stock of that, our relationships, our relationship to ourselves and, um, our integrity with who we are and who we came here to be. I've worked with so many different people and money is such an interesting thing. Like, um, and how people will, um, what are they like, um, like just sacrifice a little bit of who they are for the dollar bill. Like my suggestion is don't do that. You know, that's what wellness is to me. It's like inner wellness and outer wellness of what you're, you're putting out. So mental, emotional, spiritual, and, um, right now, compassion and kindness over anything. And, and if people are attacking you tolerance to the best of your ability, and I know there's been times where I'm just going in my head of what I'd like to reply to people. And for the most part, I've been good, but I really want to go ape, ape <laughs> bananas on them. Right. And just, you know, to be, to be an integrity. And I was talking to one of my best friends about all this. And I ask these um, questions on my podcast all the time. And, and I 
appreciate the kind words and, and chatting to you. This has been great too, because I was actually having a rough day today and it's like, Oh my God, I got to do this. I'm dealing with stuff with uh, family and my daughter and I lost one. And, um, you know, just all this stuff going on is very challenging, but the conversation inspires me. Um, and I know that I'm not alone. You know, that's why I appreciated you right away. And it's like, thank you. Like somebody's saying something like, why is nobody saying anything? And why are my own friends attacking me? Why am I losing my own friends for this that I've known for years? Why are they um, questioning my integrity? You know, like I had a good cry once about that. I was like, one of my friends was just like, are you doing this for likes? I was like, you've known me since high school. You've watched me do everything that I've done. You've seen me work for five years. Yeah. You've seen me talk about organ harvesting, uh, going to China. You've seen me commit to it. I've tried really hard to make a difference, man. Like what the hell, what in my actions have made you think that I'm not trying to figure out this so you can, you know, make a good choice. And maybe, maybe this is a threat over here. And so you can become aware of it and make a different choice. So super challenging. So wellness to me is, is, is physical, emotional, and spiritual. But at this point, it's like, I think it's super important that, um, we look for the solutions. We, we find the people looking for solutions, thinking about solutions, and we connect with them because my friend was, we were chatting and, and he said, you can either tear down what you don't want, which is going to take energy or look to build what you do want. And so what is your unique offering and whatever that expression may be. And if you're not sure yet, maybe reach out to somebody already doing it, maybe volunteer, um, start prayer, you know, or connection to spirit in your own way. Cause I feel like your, your own inner guidance system. Um, and you know, actually on, on a spiritual level, wellness would be your connection with spirit and God in the universe. You know, when you, when you're like at that holy shit moment, and I had this on the podcast a, a few ago, but it was like, someone was telling a story is like, I know what you're talking about. It's that moment where you're so crumbled, where you reach out to God for help. Like literally like you're going to die. That's what, yes. that's what near death experiences. You're like, Oh my God, like something outside of me helped me because I'm totally screwed right now. And if you've had that experience, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And so can you connect to that on a daily basis? Cause that's always available. And if we do, we're going to be guided. And I think this is like the, the planetary alchemy. Can we achieve peace as a species? It is absurd that humanity is not peaceful with all that we know, uh, with all that we've learned, with how far we've evolved we can achieve peace as a planet. And maybe after this, we say, Hey, let's, let's change that COVID talk to peace. Mm-hmm. We, we create rules, legislations. Um, no, why am I say that's awful. That's old stuff. Scratch that. Let's try again. Let's, let's create guidelines and, um, ways of being that just make that natural and harmonious that everybody just wants to participate in that game. And the people that don't, they're just over there in their own place and they're welcome to this new idea, to this new way of being. And, and, um, yeah, let's commit to that with the same level of, uh, ferocity and intensity and, and passion. Man, what an enjoyable conversation. Like I, I didn't know exactly how it was going to go, but I had a feeling and I trust that feeling. It's, you know, Abraham Hicks, I used to listen to her back in the day and, and she calls it the inner guidance, right? Your inner guidance, trust your inner guidance. And I knew that we would have this conversation when it meant the most because we've been getting after it. Like you've been, and you and I both have been interviewing a lot of people that are in alignment with that new narrative, that new current that we're creating. And so I'm just, I just want to give you a heartfelt piece of gratitude for the work that you've been doing. And, and mattbelair.com is the website. People can reach out to you. And I just want to leave with one piece of wisdom too, that, that I've been learning and 
and feel free to, to jump on top or just say goodbye, whatever you're feeling. And, and this wisdom is like, I, I cannot do anything if I'm not embodying it myself. Like if I am not working on my inner child wounds, my relationship with my father, my mother, my beautiful partner, Carrie, like my body, my thoughts, my cold therapy, my exercise, my kettlebells, my community. If I'm not taking a breath and like loving me, and I'm not saying this like, you need to love yourself. I'm saying it like, if I'm not loving myself, there is no way that I'm going to enroll anyone else into the new thought current. So I just want to put that out there into the consciousness for everyone. Like this is an invitation, Catherine Dixon. Thank you for being here. Invitation. Yeah. This is an invitation for us to do the inner work and love ourselves. That's how we change the world. No other way. I'm not going to change the world by forcing and pushing and being angry at other people. Like it comes from me. Beautifully said. And I really like your, um, those little mini quotes that you do on your show and like promote the show. So make sure you quote that one because <laughs> I'll share that. That was really beautifully said. You know, the last thing yeah. that I'll share is I think only so much can be done in the mind because the mind is so limited, but there's a lot more that can be done in the heart. Sometimes we just need to experience it. If you experience loss, you just experience that emotionally. You don't think, you don't logically go through that loss and, and right. You will, the mind will do stuff, but it's basically useless crap. Um, right. You have to emotionally go through it. And I think that the heart's intelligence is becoming more well-known, but not understood how to engage in it. And so, I remember this one time I had a friend who's so analytical and I asked the question, if you were infinite in God or, or had a million dollars, what would you do with your time? How would you spend your day? And he's so logical. I knew he couldn't answer the question. So I just decided I was going to hypnotize him into his heart. Hypnosis is just guided meditation. It's nothing crazy. Most people just can't relax their mind. You just help them relax. That's all it is. But where you focus is important. So if you do a little thing and you focus on the tip of your finger, you'll notice the tip of your finger. You could focus on a lemon. And I do that exercise when I'm training sometimes where I get them to imagine a lemon and bite it and your mouth waters. It's really cool. So what, what happens when you focus on your heart? Well, the mind, when we ask the question to the mind, it's limited and it's also designed to keep us safe. For us to stay safe, we need we need food. And to get food, we need these money things. And so if I say, hey, what would you do if you had a million dollars in the bank or you could do anything? It's The mind goes, ha, you dummy. Number one, I'm not getting a million dollars every single day. And number uh, two, that this is hypothetical. So whatever. So they're 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 gonna distort that answer because it's it's not possible. Because the mind is like, I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to trick me, but I need to stay safe, get these coupons so I can go get money. So you're not now when you're hypnotized into your heart and you're asked those same questions, you get a totally different answer. And so when I did it with him, uh, he started crying in the middle of it. And um, gave all these beautiful answers. I was like, huh, that's weird. I was like, I think there's something there. So I started doing these meditations with people over and over and having very similar experiences. People were crying. Um, they're, you know, have very powerful experiences. I was like, huh. So I refined it over a few years and just kept doing it with people. And the idea is to find your direction. And so it is not an end goal. And I've done this with multimillionaires, with, with everything in between, hippies, people who don't know their life direction, people who were really clear in their life direction, but it added um, so much clarity. Like they knew they were going northeast, but now it's like refined just two degrees. And when you're aligned and you refine one or two degrees, you realize how much that changes your direction over a long term, right? Yeah. Not over a day, but over a year or five years, it really changes things. And it's a really beautiful gift. And so 
Um, if people want to go through that, I'm doing the, I'm going to be releasing a new heart hypnosis, uh, experience for people. So I have one that they can get from me, but I'm going to be doing a whole uh, suite of them. And it's just a practice of going into the heart to ask it for answers because the mind doesn't know you keep focusing on the mind. That's so limited. It only holds like five to eight bits of information. The heart sends more signals to the brain than the brain to the heart apparently. So that's super cool. And so we go in there and it's just like, you know, guide me through feeling in the direction that I need to go because all of this is a mystery anyways. And so it adds a little bit of trust, a little bit of faith, but it changes our direction and um, it puts the power into the body, into the feeling, because I feel like it's the compassion and the kindness and the spirit of human beings that will assist in our evolution more than anything else. Ultimate mic drop. Yes, humanity will triumph. Um, someone is mentioning here. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for these reminders. Everything that we talked about today is linked in the show notes. So if you're interested in the guided process that Matt talked about, please hit him up. Like if you're feeling that in your heart, there's probably some intelligence there. <laughs> there's some really unique heart intelligence for all of us to pay attention to. So Matt, thank you again for being here. And thank you to everyone that came with us on the Facebook live, these podcasts, all of our podcasts are video podcasts. And we're talking about you when this podcast goes live, Matt at wellnessforce.com forward slash group. And until Matt and I both see you again, we're both wishing you so much love and so much wellness. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, man. Thanks for listening to the show, my friend. Everything you learned on this podcast starts with your morning practices. So from over 300 world-class guests, we pulled together six simple yet powerful morning practices down into a 21-minute system guaranteed to increase your vibration and the way that you feel every day. Get this free powerful guide over at wellnessforce.com forward slash M21. And if you love this show, share it with somebody. Share it with somebody that you love or that you care about. You can support the show easily by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. Just go to wellnessforce.com forward slash review. Or if you're on your phone, just tap it, hit the link in purple that says review this podcast. And the journey does not stop here. We're continuing this discovering process in our private Facebook group over at wellnessforce.com forward slash group. You can be a part of it. You already are. All you have to do is join us at wellnessforce.com forward slash group and I will welcome you at the door. Now go out into your life and live your life well. And until I see you again real soon, I'm wishing you love and wellness.